0: BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.
1: Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles you're listening to 100 words or less with
2: ray harkins oh hello everybody how are you doing this fine day i'm doing great thanks for asking You are here listening to this podcast because, first of all, you like independent music. Second of all, you like conversations with people involved in independent music, and that's what we do here. What are the odds, right? Well, my voice is a little hoarse because I just returned back from touring in Japan, and more on that in a moment, but I am thrilled to welcome a guest on the show. His name is Edward Gibbs. He plays in a band called Devil Sold His Soul, he also recently launched a band called Cops, Cops, Cops C-O-P-S-E, but uh, they recently just signed with uh, Church Road Records, and Devil Soul to Soul is a long-running band uh, who puts out records on Nuclear Blast, and if you like anything from the post-rock, post-hardcore genre, you absolutely need to become familiar with Devil's Soul to Soul. I found out about them, I don't know, like early 2000s. It's been quite some time. And actually, uh, Edward shares the story of when we first met at the uh, top of the podcast, which is hilarious because I do not remember uh, that exact interaction, but the way that he describes it, I was like, oh yeah, that's, that sounds like something stupid I would do. But anyways, that is what we got this week. You can always email the show, 100 podcast at gmail.com. You can also interact with the show on YouTube. You can find a link in the show notes in which you can follow along, because I know a lot of people consume podcasts via that platform. And you can also, uh, if you would not mind, this is a very simple request, but you can go to the Apple podcast page and leave a rating and or review, or on Spotify, you can leave a rating and that helps the show get discovered by the almighty algorithm, as it were. Like I said, my voice is a little hoarse. I just came back from touring in Japan with my band Taken, and we played Five Dates over there with uh, Hope's Fall from North Carolina. And um, I'm just going to say as one of the best, I guess, run of shows or tour that I'd ever been a part of, if you have not made your way to Japan, I highly encourage you to do that. It is not only a beautiful country, but the hardcore scene there is just next level, like to say they're excited about bands from the States touring over there is an understatement. I just love how it's like pop punk, hardcore, melodic, hardcore, whatever it is, gets really, really embraced over there. And um, because I, it's just funny, because I mean, this is my sixth time touring Japan. And it's really weird to say that because by no stretch of the imagination was taken ever a big band here in the States. Like we were mid level at best in certain markets. But over in Japan, we are able to consistently play in front of like two, three, 400 people a night. And it's very bizarre because there are bands who are like one million times larger than us in the States, and they don't draw as well over there. And it just, I don't know. I mean, I know I'm like stating the obvious that there's differences between (laughs) scenes around the world, but it's just so interesting to see the stark difference between the two. But anyways... You, I have to give a shout out to Koba, the promoter that brings us over there. He plays in a band called Loyal to the Grave, and he is it just makes me so happy with what he does. Not only because I selfishly benefit from his work, but he just believes in the scene. <laughs> he brings bands over there of all shapes and sizes. He just recently brought One Step Closer over there. He's brought bands like Knock Loose and a bunch of other stuff over there, but he just really believes in giving back to the scene. And uh, he doesn't do it for a full time job and he's able to balance all of it and play in bands. And it's just, it's very inspiring to say the least. So, anyways, shout out to all of you because I did meet like one or two of you over there in Japan that said you listen to the podcast. So, big shout out to you for saying hi and coming out to the show. So, Anyways, let's talk to Mr. Edward Gibbs from Devil Sold His Soul and Copse, C-O-P-S-E. Like I said, they just announced they signed to Church Road Records, which is one of my favorite record labels around right now. And uh, here is my boy, Edward. And I'm going to take you way back to a uh, festival that I know you are familiar with, uh, that you played before called Ghost Fest up in, <laughs> I, was that in Leeds? I can't remember what town that was in.
3: Yeah, man, that was in Leeds.
2: Okay. So I I went over to Ghost Fest because uh, I had, uh, you know, started like signed and worked with architects at Century Media. And so I came over there, was already familiar with your band. And I I wish I could remember how it was passed along to me, whether it was via the European Century Media office or just friends. But uh, I remember I was genuinely so excited to, you know, whatever, drive the three or four hours from London up with the architects guys to to play ghost fest and watch. But I I remember watching you guys and it was, it was a cool experience because um, that not only did the fest feel like it was the ground level of a lot of interesting things happening in the UK. I mean, obviously bring me the horizon already, you know, Mm -hmm. started to take off, but these bands that were even on your level who arguably were not, Internationally recognized, like people started to see. It was like, oh my gosh, like devil Soul is Soul, like good band. And you know, from <laughs> r- a random dude in California, like myself. um Did you like around that era? Did you kind of feel like there was more not attention where it's like, oh my gosh, we're playing huge shows, but just like people were recognizing that something was happening in the UK at that time.
3: Oh, I mean, that that fest was almost like the epitome of how cool the scene was at that point. I mean, if you look at the the lineup now like you say it was was i can't remember for horizon was, they do play like horizon had played ghost Fest a number of times um architects were playing that year it was it was just kind of all of the bands in the uk at, just in one place it was that was always like culturally quite like a a, a fun show i always think ghost Fest, definitely
2: right and that well it's cool because that also it showed the diversity of type of bands because it wasn't i mean even though everyone was you know attached to the hardcore scene as it were there yeah. were none of you guys sounded similar at all like <laughs> there was so much diversity there
3: yeah definitely and i think that kind of that that's quite secular that whole thing of bands being uh, their own thing and then it goes back to being quite homogenous for a bit and then people get bored of that so everyone goes off and does their own, and you get these like pockets of of time when loads of bands were just doing loads of different stuff and that was definitely an era of that. And uh, for instance, like I don't even think we necessarily even fitted on that with some of the bands, but we always like playing with those guys. And the same with some of the other bands. There's, it was just a cool mismatch of stuff, I think. And it's always really just interesting, I think.
2: Yeah, uh, well, absolutely. And I, I think, too, a lot of that you know, whatever, early to mid 2000s bands like there, the scene internationally had gotten bigger where people were paying attention to it. And, you know, whatever record labels figured like, oh, wow, I can sign a band that sings and screams and people won't laugh at me. Um, But then seeing the fact that there were all of these different elements, like, you know, hardcore and punk and whatever had become global but everyone still had their unique pockets because the internet was still figuring
3: itself out oh yeah and i mean everyone was just just everything goes down this like such like weird niche sub-genre of things all the time that it's it's really hard to pinpoint exactly what's going on in any given band and i think that's that's really fun isn't it
2: yeah absolutely that's the, and it's cool that you were able to see that and feel that because of the idea that you know sometimes when you are just whatever playing shows and completely existing you know one foot in front of the other that you you did feel just a little bit of that like oh it's it's cool that we're all doing this and you know yeah. we're playing shows and feeling like there's there's attention being paid
3: and, and the, it's really funny now looking back at those shows if you showed people like flyers for those shows the bands that are playing it blow their minds like the size of rooms and all of them playing together like, if you look at, I don't know, Architects, uh, Horizon, um, and Shikari, all those bands, they're like, they're fucking massive now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. standing in these tiny rooms together is just, it's hilarious.
2: Right. And ho- and to your point, and hoping that people
3: will be there too. Yeah. yeah, That's uh, yes, exactly. It's, it was never a given that anyone was turning up to any of these shows. I mean, I guess Ghostfest was slightly a safer bet given the amount of bands that were under one roof, but certainly... You take us all out on, I mean, even for us now, it's it's certainly not given that the show's going to be busy. Right.
1: <laughs> totally.
3: You're like, you're like, hey, it's it's, it's great if there's 50 people here because those 50 people care about us.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll pull apart more of your experience in regards to the UK scene, but um, I wanted to focus on you. I know, were you actually born and raised in London or where did you come up?
3: Uh, so I was, it's all over the place really. So I was born in, in Surrey, like Guildford. And then um, we moved – my mum and uh, my – I'm a triplet, actually. I've got a brother and a sister. Oh, all, 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 like tw- all twins, I guess you would say, but not – or maybe paternal uh, so, or fraternal? I or have a sister the- and a brother. Okay. And weirdly, we all look really different. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so we moved to uh, the southwest of, um, of England. Okay. Um, sort of Gloucestershire. And then I moved to Bristol and that's where I've been ever since. Um, but the band's weird in the sense that it's we've been all over the place. So it started with half the band being in London and half of us being over kind of Gloucestershire sort of area. And right. it, since then, it's kind of everyone's moved out more. I mean, we're all the way along the South of Bristol. Like you could argue that we're along this sort of M before and... Um, yeah, we're just all, we're, I mean, this is the difficulty of the band is that we all live in like really different places. It's, we can't just go, Hey, do you guys wanna hang Because it's from like from side to side, there's about four hours between the furthest of us. So it gets quite difficult, but Right, you gotta there's a lot of scheduling, a lot of planning. Yeah, and writing records and stuff isn't as easy as going, Hey, should we hang out on a Friday and do this? It's kind of like, right, we've got to book out a weekend. We're all gonna get meet up in the middle somewhere say in a shitty hotel and just write and sit and then go to practice all day and stuff like that. I don't know. But um yeah, it's it's funny being in a band that's been all over the place. But I guess that's we've never been a band that's been like living on top of each other. So it's right. kind of normal. But it's cool. got to say, as you get older, it get a bit more boring. To do
2: <laughs> right. You're like, this would be much
3: nicer if you lived next door and you lived yeah. just on the block or whatever. Oh, man. Uh, the bands that get to who sort of live around each other and they say, just say, hey, do you want to get together on Thursday night and do a practice? Like, fuck, I really envy that. We've never had that. <laughs> it's always been like, just it used to be that me and Johnny, we lived in of course to share we have like every weekend we'd be up in london to practice it's just draining right <laughs> i i think it, it does also speak
2: to the fact that um there you know when bands do start when you're you know young whatever your first band experience of yeah. you know 14 15 16 it usually is a function of people in your school or these other circumstances where you're thrown together. Whereas you guys formed when you were a little bit older. So you were already kind of, like you said, all spread across, but you're pulled together by, you know, going to punk and hardcore shows or whatever.
3: Yeah, exactly. Like we had, um, the story's quite weird. Well, it's not weird. It's just really, really circumstantial. But so we'd all done all of our sort of first bands and stuff. We'd kind of got through that stuff through school and then there was a band beho- before us called uh, Mahumodo, which both Johnny and Rick played in, and our drummer at the time, um, Tom, and they split up because the singer moved to America.
2: Right, oh, dude, that that was uh, gosh, the, the shells, right? Like,
3: yeah, 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 Meddy, who's um, he then went on to two shells, yeah, definitely.
2: yeah. But that dude, that's so funny. I knew I I I knew Meddy um pretty well when he had moved over here because he moved. Him. Yeah, he moved like twenty minutes from me. I live in Orange County, and I just remember it was so bizarre because yeah, he just started he sent and I remember Ma, was it was Mahabudo or Ma, Mahamudu, yeah. Yeah, I remember him sending, I had no clue that some of your
3: guys <laughs> had that connection. Yeah, that's yeah, incredible. Yeah. yeah, so that's, that they, they all came from the same band. So I, there's, there's definitely sort of similarities between where we were at and stuff. Right. And, um, yeah, so after that split up, um, those guys started a new band. And it just so happened that Johnny and his parents had moved to the same sort of area that I lived in. And Johnny's brother went to the college that I went to. And I got, I got to sort of be friends with Tom and stuff. And that was kind of weirdly my way in to the band, like by knowing our guitarist's brother. Because I'm a bit younger than the rest of them. Like, I mean, when you're in your late 30s, early 40s, it doesn't make any difference. But when I started, I was 18 and the other guys were sort of 24. So they had a bit more sort of band experience under their Belts, I guess. Um, Right, it was all (laughs) quite a new experience for me in terms of actually doing it rather than just, you know, being a school band. Right, right.
2: And that is such a drastic difference, too, in age when you are, you know, when you start going to shows or experiencing meeting people who you consider like full-fledged adults, even though they're maybe like three to five years older than you. It's not that big of a deal, like you said, when you get older.
3: Six years when you're that age, I guess, is like a third of your life, isn't it? So
2: and, and it's so and you and I'm sure you had the experience where you're just like, I can't believe I'm playing in a band with like these old dudes, like not like in a bad way, just in a, they're so much older than me. It feels so weird.
3: Well, they're just a bunch of fucking idiots. So <laughs> right.
2: <just> <laughs> that doesn't feel weird. Yeah, I do. The, the, the observation that I always make, like I remember when I became, you know, friendly with like Matt Pryor from the Get Up Kids and I always remember watching the Get wow. Up Kids just in and i felt they were so much older than me and matt's like four years older than me dude i know and you just your age just like really throws in on itself when you are that young and you're just like oh i'm 17 and this person's 21 oh my gosh they're an adult i
3: mean (laughs) i was so sort of naive and sort of just a kid when we started definitely it's really funny to think about it like just didn't know anything. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, you're you're, yeah, you're dumb until you maybe get
2: to your 40s and then maybe you have some idea of something. But <laughs> yeah. so, like you mentioned, you had your, uh, so was it your brother and sister and mom in the house? Was dad in the picture or what What did the uh, that look like?
3: Uh, so my parents separated when I think I was about five, I think, maybe a bit younger, four. Um, and then when we moved to Gloucestershire, that's when sort of we all went to different directions. Got it. Got it.
2: And were you, um, were you close to your siblings or was it one of those things you
3: guys were all kind of, you know, doing your own thing? Yeah, I think we all did sort of do our own thing. I mean, like, don't get me wrong, we all love each other, but we're not, like, just, like, the super, like, most, we're not on, I don't know, some families are really fucking tight mm-hmm. in a a way that I find quite <laughs> weird in some ways. Like, we're, we're all very independent of each other and we like each other's company, but we're, we don't, um... Yeah, we, we all did different stuff when we were younger. Really, I was sort of into music, whereas the other two weren't. Right,
2: <laughs> and it is—it's funny too when you look at the the sibling structure. It, it does go one of both ways, where it's like either you are tight because you're all you know playing sports or you're all getting into yeah. these things together, or you all feel like you have to have your own
3: lane where it's like, oh yeah, this is not what uh, my brother or sister does. Absolutely. It's, it's sort of, it's like polar opposites. It's like you're, it's, it's so polar, at, like binary in terms of like, you're either doing the exact same thing or you purposely, like, I'm not doing <laughs> the same thing as them. <laughs> totally. Yeah, I'm not, I, I am nothing like them, even
2: though we live in the same house and I love them dearly. <laughs> and, and so as you started to, you know, you said you were attracted to music and that makes sense. Like where were you kind of trying to find your identity? Like, you know, did you play sports? Like, were you, you know, applying yourself at school? What What did you look like as a
3: kid? I mean, when I was really young, I tried sports because I really wanted to fit in with just everyone really, like just all of my friends liked sports and stuff. And then I realized when I we went to sort of towards the end of primary school and heading into secondary school that A, I'm just not interested in it. And B, I just don't have to be going into secondary school you start to meet people who are into music and stuff and it's like oh i don't have to do that thing that everyone else is doing you can kind of just lean into the thing that actually speaks to you rather than just trying to fit in and that was like to know is amazing to me that i didn't have to care about that stuff and now as an adult when the world cup's on i don't give a fuck i can't understand why anyone wants to watch it right
2: right that uh, that idea dawns on you that you are able to have
3: the authority to make those own decisions and not have to fit yourself into yeah absolutely Uh, But it's weird isn't it because i mean i'm sure it's exactly the same over over with you is just sport is so ingrained into just culture everyone like in the uk if you aren't a male if you are a male and you're not into football it's weird even now as an adult everyone's into football and people find it weird that you're not into into football it's so strange right (laughs) (laughs) to me it's so strange to everyone else it's not strange and i'm strange but right no it's true i i
2: think because it is the first experience where you can you know build the idea of you know working with a team and understanding conflict like it gives you all of those yeah easy ways beyond school to like learn that sort of stuff so it, yeah, yeah. It's a
3: socialization I guess in that sense
2: like, totally and, and, right and even if you're terrible at it it's not like I mean clearly there are parents that take it very seriously and want to make yeah. sure their kid is the best thing ever or whatever but um yeah it's ju- just that's that's how you kind of do it but yeah to your point if you're just like I literally want to sit down in the the field and like pick flowers or whatever it's like <laughs> I don't care about any of this
3: yeah I'm just gonna do what speaks to me
2: right 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 that's cool and what what was your attitude like towards uh school like did you you know try to
3: get good grades or did school come easy or was it difficult what was the vibe there um school was fine to be honest i mean i wasn't super academic um but i just kind of rolled through it if i'm honest it wasn't i don't really remember practicing for exams and stuff but i got very very middle of the road sort of c's to b's on everything really i suppose As an adult now, you can look back and think I should have applied myself. But then also, uh, it didn't change it. Like I got uh, where I'm at now, I'm very comfortable with, and I don't really care about grades and stuff. Now it's it's so weird that stuff. In that, as soon as you get past that hurdle, that those grades, the door that those grades were supposed to open, as soon as you've gone through that door, they're pointless. They mean nothing. (laughs)
2: Right. Yeah. No one, as an adult, you know, interviewing for a job, it's like, hey, uh, you know, can I, what was your GPA? You know, no one's asking you that. Uh,
3: What did you get in English? (laughs) (laughs) Like,
2: I got to see. Well, uh, thanks. Thanks for coming in, Ed. You're done here. (laughs) (laughs) It is true. It's, I, I mean, I often am very much with you where I, I think about that in relation to just, how much um you know importance that is obviously placed on school and grades but then the benefit of that school gives you beyond all of that of just everything that we were talking about socialization understanding how to work with people who
3: you may not like but you're in the same room as them yeah i'm being absolutely flippant i don't really think that it was a waste of time at all because it's school's weird in the sense that it's it's not really there to teach you um like really specific knowledge it's really just to get give you a grasp of the world that we live in as much as anything isn't it so you know yeah. so you, can go, you can enjoy reading books you can understand why the world does certain things with science or you can you know just use maths in your day-to-day life that kind of stuff isn't it it's really just to set you up as an adult it's not really to teach you like like hyper um specialized information i guess
2: yeah and also just the idea that you introducing you to things like you know having your head cracked open with a a book you read in english where it's like
3: oh my gosh like i read george orwell's 1984 and my life has changed forever yeah like, yeah like that sense it's sort of a, a sort of tastemaker isn't it sort of it's finding like helping you find what you're interested in i guess
2: listen band merch is the name of the game i love it you love it or you should love it and you should go to rockabilia.com to buy all of your officially licensed merch And talk about a wide variety of artists that they support. Like, I'm just, I just dipped into their homepage. But before I tell you that, I need to give you a promo code. 100 words or less gets you 10% off your entire order. So I highly encourage you to use that code and it gets 10% off. Like, like I said, just really, really listen to these bands because it's a diverse range of stuff. We got Escape the Fate, Volbeat, Leonard Skynyard, Bob Marley, Tupac. You can, Catch all of your gift giving, whether it's birthdays, whether it's Valentine's Day—I don't care what it is—you are able to find awesome merch officially licensed, which means the bands get paid, and it ships to you from the Midwest in the United States of America, independently owned and operated for twenty plus years. I love Rockabilia and what they do, so use the promo code Hundred Words or Less. Visit Rockabilia.com, get lost in our website in a good way, and buy some merch. Thank you, Rockabilia.
1: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all want more time in our lives, you know, whether it's like, dang, I wish I had like another hour to, you know, play video games or read more or get outside or whatever it is. I know myself that I actually get questions a lot in regards to this podcast. How do you fit it in your day? And like, how do you do the interviews and all that stuff? To be able to then balance the rest of my life from my work and, you know, playing in a band and I have a family, all of these things. But that is why therapy is so awesome because it helps you be able to sort out your life to focus on the things that, for one, really matter to you. And two, try to find more time for those things that you love. That is why I love working with BetterHelp because if you need, to find a therapist, they're there for you. So give them a try. It's entirely online, it's designed to be convenient for you, and they can be suited to your schedule. And you fill out a brief questionnaire, matches you up with your own personal therapist, and if you do not like that experience, you can switch it. No problem. No questions asked. It's great. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Ray today to get 10% off of your first month. It's an offer just for you, the listener of this podcast. That's BetterHelp.com slash Ray.
2: When did music kind of come into the picture for you? I mean, I know like most kids in the UK uh, and I mean up here in America as well, like nu metal was just dominant culture culturally speaking, you know, from whatever the late 90s until, um, well, still arguably today. Uh, yes. So was that kind of your first entry point to music that felt like your own?
3: Yeah, pretty, pretty much. I mean, I started guitar lessons when and I was 11, I think. And that's you start off with Green Day and those sorts of bands, the really sort of friendly, sort of safer bands, and then new metal really kicked off. And yeah, that was that really at the time really spoke to me. Definitely like bands like Slipknot and stuff, just Mm -hmm. uh, cool. Were you were you trying to find like? Because I know, yeah,
2: once you find you know Slipknot, Corn, whatever, were you also? Like diving deep down into that, where it's like, oh man, I can't wait to you know find out the third tier bands. Even though I still, you know, they're not as good as Slipknot, but like, yeah, I obviously oh, love Mudvayne. When you're
3: that age, it's it's a competition to see you can find like right. mainstream <laughs> band, isn't it? <laughs> totally. That got, that got so much worse when I got a bit older, when we start getting to actual horrid bands like uh, Converge and uh, Dillinger and stuff. It's like you can find the most unlistenable music, but right. at the time. Yeah, it, we were like fully, like fully into it, and it's funny because it feels like such a long period of time in your life, but it's only like a window of about two years, three years, maybe mm-hmm. that you're into that stuff. Because I remember very quickly as soon as I heard, as soon as I heard Glassjaw, that was the band that broke me pretty much straight out of New Metal, and I just wasn't interested anymore at all because it just showed me how yeah, stuff could be emotional and really sort of engaging without having to result to stupid like theatricality no i mean that's unfair that, not stupid but just uh, just it, it, it removed it no i i let me
2: see if i can help the uh like it removed the artifice where it's like i mean clearly with you know new metal and like there's a, a uniform i mean same thing can be said about punk and hardcore but just like yeah. you like you said it, watching glass or hearing Glassjaw, even though musically it may be you know, oh my gosh, there is no way I'll ever be able to accomplish this. It's like they look like
3: normal people, like Daryl, yeah. Darryl, exactly. yeah. That was it. it was, it's like normal guys playing music that isn't hitting the sort of the silly checklist that all those other bands are doing, like just that whole like sick thing and uh, make like makeup and masks and stuff. I mean, I to- don't get me wrong, I totally get why that's like fun and entertaining, but it was really refreshing at the time to not to have heavy music that was not that. And then I heard bands like the Hope Conspiracy and stuff and started getting into hardcore a bit more. And it was just like, I just, as soon as I heard that stuff, I was like, I don't really want, I just was not interested in new metal at all. Right.
2: I'm done with this. And as you started to, you know, even with the new metal, like how was your mom reacting to this music that she probably had no context for and was arguably maybe a little bit scared about what Ed is bringing home?
3: you know what she was if if she was worried about it she never really showed she was very cool about it especially when you're just dressing like an absolute idiot and getting piercings and stuff
2: <laughs> oh please okay ed this I, i'm sorry i'm mean, gonna I have to drill down a little bit like yeah. what what was you what was the i guess peak look for you like are we talking you know did you go like the size 45 jinkos and like what piercings are we talking about
3: yeah, so when we were sixteen, me and my mates, like the second it was like legal in terms of uh, age, we yep. went and got like face piercings, basically. Okay, I, we eyebrows, lips, tongues. What are we talking? Uh, yeah, uh, lip and uh, two eyebrow piercings. As well. oh.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> I love it! I love it. <laughs> but to be honest, but again, it's really funny how little how in. Uh, in terms of time they were just not in my face for long at all it felt like i had them for ages but they were probably in and out within about a year yeah right it's like you're like okay well that was that and now i'm moving on yeah exactly and i mean that's the funniest thing is like that stuff feels like looking back on it all those periods feel like so long but the crazy thing is in terms of the the length of this band that i've been in i joined when i was 18 and now i'm 36 i've been in this band for half my life (laughs) And that feels like a similar period of time to the other things, and it's just not. It's vastly longer.
2: Right, right. It's the the, the fact that yeah, you you are in, getting to the point where you have been in the band longer than like you have been out of it. Like you yeah, know,
3: like... Exactly. I'm at that tip. I've just gone past that tipping point now for this year, and from next year, I've now long been in the band longer than I've not been in the band. Which is right.
2: king weird. Yeah, that's like it's incredible. And honestly, that as much as the idea of devil sold his soul, you know, being like there, there was clearly a lot of touring that happened and, you know, uh, you guys were uh, attempting to be a quote unquote full-time band. I I do think there is this, uh, not, I think I know there's this special air of band that's still able to exist and engage people every time they put out music, but they don't have to, you know, play 200 plus shows a year. And it's that,
3: I mean, that's a testament. Like, yeah they don't talk i mean they, they play plenty of shows but they they certainly don't make it like the thing that they're doing all day every day every year sort of thing right so they concentrate on the records and then they support them a little bit yep and then back yeah to the, back to the drawing board i guess right
2: exactly yeah they're they're thoughtful about it's like yeah if you were going to see cult of luna come to the states or the uk or whatever like they're not going to be back in six months like you better go see them now
3: (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah it's like once per album cycle and even then it's not like they're i mean i'm making assumptions here i don't look at their touring schedules but it doesn't feel like they're going out for months at a time
2: yeah no i i agree yeah you're, you're definitely right and so, well, that's cool that your mom was very permissive in all of the, the things that you were experimenting yeah, really with. Cool. Yeah, that's that's awesome. W- was there an idea of what you were supposed to, uh, you know, do when you grew up? Like, you know, what did your mom do for work? And was there any,
3: uh, I guess, pressure to, <laughs> like, fall in line with what, whatever she was doing? No, there was no pressure at all. I mean, my mom was a sort of graphic designer before she had us. But then... Um, when she had us having three kids is quite a handful so she obviously left her job at the time to do that and then when she went back to work when we were probably about 10 i think 10 or 11 mm-hmm. um she worked in a school so there was there was no family business to get into so to speak so it was a bit of an open book which was always weird because i never really knew what i was gonna do and even when i uh Left the band, it was kind of like, what am I going to do? Because I, I I was out of the band for like a, a right few years. And that that was why it was. I got to sort of my late twenties, and I was just like, what the fuck? Am I gonna do? Right.
2: <laughs> I think I think I'm supposed to grow up, but I don't know what that actually means.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <don't>, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how am I going to make a living so that my life is not only like? It wasn't really a case of like, how do I make my life comfortable? It was like, how do I just. Survive. right yeah what do i as, what do i as, do as, as it, was time, it was just like it just it, band like as as you are completely aware being until we get to a very specific size of band it just does not it about sustains itself as a sort of a vehicle but in terms of the people in it, it doesn't sustain you at all it says there's, there's no money coming in
2: right right exactly it's like the uh the idea of play i mean, especially too—where it's like certain people look at you know you, your recorded output, where like you know, the yeah. shows you've played, and just like, oh my gosh, like how do you even do that? And it's like, well, we do that because like we care about it, and it's very much like not
3: making us a living. Like we do this because we care. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then some, and someone would look at your feet and go, "Wow, you got a thousand pounds per gig." It's like, all right, well, let's put the the sort of the. the the outgoings on top of that and then try and think about what that split six ways it never got split six ways by the way because it always went back into the band otherwise the band would bankrupt so right it didn't even even get split six ways it was always just like what little money was just going so we didn't have to pay for band practice
2: of course right yeah you gotta pay you gotta pay the petrol to get you guys up there
3: yeah Yeah. (laughs) that was a real sideways jump from where we were a second ago wasn't it
2: No, it's that. that, Welcome to podcasting, my friend. You're totally fine. Uh, So, as you, you know, went went through high school, like, did you actually play in your first band in high school, or where did that transpire?
3: Oh yeah, So, our our group of friends, like our little clique at school, was sort of the music. Well, not even the music clique, because there was definitely sort of like a more of a drama musical type gang. Oh sure, but like we were just the the metal kids, basically, and. Yeah, we were all in bands together doing different things, trying out different stuff within different little pockets of people. And yeah, we, I, it was, it was a really fun time. We'd, every weekend we get, we'd, uh, get, like rent out the local village hall, which must have cost like peanuts. I mean, our parents are paying for it, so it must have cost peanuts, otherwise we would have done it. And, uh, yeah, we just make noise really. And that's when I started screaming when I was probably about 13 or 14.
1: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> And
3: that did that you- I mean, it, it, if anything doing at that age it really just burns in bad habits quickly right yeah because you yeah it's like it's hey how you doing it you're just doing it
2: no yeah they're they're probably like hey ed like you know we don't even have a pa so just plug into the bass
3: bass amp and right, you'll be fine we had to bring a like another guitar amp with us every t- or a keyboard amp and it was just oh, we must have ruined all of those amps putting like vocals through them for sure oh absolutely and the, all the only way that you can hear it is when you like kneel down next to it <laughs> yeah absolutely and same thing with at our school um uh, we every friday we just like you take one of the music rooms and just make an absolute racket and you just use whatever you could get your hands on in terms of what's just in the storage so it was either a, sometimes the vocals would definitely come out of a bass amp
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible did you uh did you like you said your uh, group of friends you know was also involved in uh, drama and school plays did you dip into that as well
3: Nah, that wasn't really my vibe we were just we skateboarded and we listened to metal and punk that's what we did got it and
2: w- like you mentioned with, you know, Hope Conspiracy being, you know, kind of a, a gateway band. That's an interesting gateway band just because they, uh, I mean, you They're know.
3: they d- Yeah. 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 You just, you just come across who you come across, don't you? There was, um, I think it must have been um, the rock show at the time, long before uh, Dan Picard did it. Someone called uh Ann Hobbs used to do it. And it had the coolest, like eclectic uh, uh, sort of, uh, selection of stuff on there so it was really a lot of uh new metal and a lot of sort of skate punk or whatever you'd call it sort of pennywise and uh, lag wagon and stuff but then occasionally that's i mean that's how i heard Glassjaw, and just these occasional like just pockets of bands get played and it's like mind-blowing and things then that like hope conspiracy they were never like a, a big band but i don't know like you hear it and it's just passionate
2: yeah it's, Well, and that that I love, I mean, the UK has always had such a strong history with, you know, radio and independent music and making sure that bands that would not be played on any sort of, you know, FM station in America get some exposure. And so it's cool that you had that in the same way
3: that, you know, maybe we had in regards to, you know, whatever MTV and music Mm. videos being played. Yeah, I mean, that show was on like a Tuesday at midnight. So we'd all just set up our cassette decks and just record the two hours of it so you could listen to it the next day on your on your Walkman.
2: Yeah, that's so, yeah, that that's incredible. And and especially too, like you were saying, where you don't know how these things come to you, but like you hear it and you're just like, so who is that? Okay, Hope Conspiracy. It's like, oh, wow, like I'm able to open up Pandora's Box with
3: just these one or two bands. Yeah, definitely. And it was for me with those bands, it was all about like the... Sort of the emotive melodies and the guitars and stuff—they always had those cool like octave um, sort of runs and stuff over really simple bass uh, 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 progressions. But then the vocals were always so passionate, and that's what really like did it for me. Because coming from new metal, it was never about passion; it was always about like someone playing a character. I think, and right. that was what was so cool about these bands is that none of them were playing a character. It was just pure catharsis. Right. And it, it is, I mean, it's perfect to
2: get into that style of music, you know, when you're young, because all you are is just raw emotion. And then you hear music that,
3: that yeah,
2: (laughs) (laughs) totally. And you're just like, oh my gosh, they're saying everything I want to say, but I can't. (laughs) It's beautiful. (laughs) and so as you started to you know play in bands and uh did you actually play any shows in high school with your first band
3: or what was that yeah we did but when you're that age it's so it's not where do you play at that age it was always just stupid school things which everyone just sort of looks at you completely bewildered by it right or you and your mates kind of set something up and i know when we were 16 and at college there was this um pub that used to serve us for some reason but they had like a little back room and every sort of other friday some mates who sort of considered themselves promoters would just ask just the bands at college to play in this tiny little shit room and no one was coming apart from like a few people no one was like oh yeah i'm here for the show it was just like ah it's the sort of the people who are drinking next door just sort of falling in because it's something to do right
2: yeah they're like I, I guess we'll just be punished by this music for a half an hour and then we'll exactly. go back they, they to they
3: yeah. walk in and go, what the fuck is this <laughs> <laughs> or maybe would be drinking enough to try and enjoy it
2: right yeah exactly like i'll i'll, I'll convince myself I'm, I'm i've been drinking enough all day to be able to get through this yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, the, with the you know kind of uh, the emotion aspect pulling you into it um you know, would you, uh, I guess, you know, define yourself as uh, maybe, you know, overly emotional? Like, were you a, a uh, you know, a measured kid? Because I mean, I, obviously, I just know you via your band and, uh, you know, Instagram, but just kind of, y- you seem like a, you know, relatively even keeled human being. But at the same time, like that, obviously, is just,
3: you know, part of the picture. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd say I'm a massive introvert. And, the idea of talking about like feelings or anything with anyone just, I I find it very difficult. So I'm quite, I'll be, I'm quite sort of dry and uh, like, yeah, like quite even keel, I guess. But then that was what really uh, I enjoyed about singing. was just being able to just, it's the catharsis. Like I said earlier, it's just being able to let it out is just the best feeling without having to, you know, Look at someone in the eyes and sort of talk to them about stuff. Right,
2: right. So this it was like a way for you to express yourself in what might be like some people might find extremely vulnerable, and it is. But you were comfortable in doing that because you're like, yeah, because I'm not going to look this person in the eye and talk to them about my feelings. (laughs) Absolutely, and it's just
3: I feel like I'm probably. I mean, I'm not. I'm not always calm, but I'm generally like a less angry person than I probably would be because I get to just (laughs) let rip and scream every now and again. It's, It's interesting what that sort of does for you. Right. Well, and also, I mean, not to
2: oversimplify the entire country of you know the United Kingdom, but just that uh, whole yeah,
3: we're not we're not right. like emotional people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Of course, you gotta keep a stiff upper <laughs> no, lip. No, you, you can certainly yes say <laughs> <Like> that. <laughs> it is. It, it,
2: I mean, in the same way that it's like it, it, it's so easy to you know look at uh, Americans as being like, oh yeah, you're of course always the loudest people in the room. It's like, well, yeah, yeah. of course we are. That's that's
3: the that's the role we fill in the world. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's the irony of it, is that I absolutely hate attention. I fucking hate it. If I had to talk to a room of people, I would just, I'd be hating it so much. Whereas there's something about being in a band where you can kind of just pretend to be someone else, but not have any sort of engagement back from the other side. just get to stand there and make some noise and show off for a little bit and then (laughs) come off (laughs) the page. Yeah. Not and there's like, right, attention, gone, don't want it, don't talk to me. Right, that's the thing coming off stage. It's like, ah, I can't, I'm, I'm, I, and it's got nothing to do with people. This, this is like just my problem, but I can't, I find it so difficult to talk to people. It's certainly on a small talk sort of sense. So, if ever I have to sort of go out after the show and people want to talk to me, it's incredibly flattering, but I can't do it, just can't do it. I don't know what to say to anyone. And that's, right. that's not just that. In mean, like, just in normal life, like I was at work the other day, and there was a Christmas party, and everyone was just hanging out and chatting, and I was just thinking about how I could get out of there. Not because I didn't <laughs> like the people. I like the people I work with them, but I. I yeah, you're like I, I can't don't even know why it is. I just can't do it. I just, it's, right. I, I panic.
2: I love the homies over at EvilGreed.net, and what are they? They are a web store provider for record labels and bands. But the thing that sets them apart from a lot of other companies is the fact they have a very specific point of view. They don't welcome every single band under the sun. They work with, like I said, a very specific roster. And what I want to do is give you 10% off your entire order by using the promo code 100Words. I'm just going to list a few of these bands just to give you an idea of what we're talking about. You got Sun, you got Blood Incantation, you got Power Trip, Nails, Chelsea Wolf, Brutus, Zeal and Ardor. 200 stab wounds. And then on top of it, you have rad record labels like Triple B and Sergeant House and Iodine Recordings. They have so much cool stuff and you will be able to find them on evilgreed.net. And I know you may be like, "Oh, they 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 ship from Germany? Like does it get over to me quickly?" Yes, and the shipping rates are very very cheap. So please go to evilgreed.net. Have fun on their website. Use the promo code 100WORDS, 10% off your entire order, and shop till you drop. Thank you,
0: EvilGreed.net. What does it take to run a small business? Heart, smarts, and the nerve to risk it all in the face of adversity. Listen to The Unshakables, the new podcast now available from Chase for Business and iHeart. It features real stories from real small business owners who take you through the turmoil, triumphs, and quick turns that help their businesses break through. Learn more at Chase.com/slash business slash podcast. Chase, make more of what's yours. Chase Mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. JP Morgan Chase Bank NA member FDIC, copyright 2024, JP Morgan Chase and Company.
2: I, I completely understand. Even as a person that I would define myself as an extrovert, I, I think that there it's never comfortable or easy, like even if you are, you know, a professionally trained, like party human being. It's like just that idea that like everyone's feeling uncomfortable, but people can you know wear different masks to make yeah. them feel comfortable. But I understand just that idea of like where do I, where do I even begin in this room? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I totally get that.
3: Can you remember the time we first met? No, I don't. <laughs> please, please enlighten me. Oh, it's it's honestly, it's even now, it's still one of my favorite things that ever happened to me in the band. <laughs> Oh, okay then tell me so yeah you were hanging out with the architects guys it was that guy Ghost first yes and i think i was just uh chatting to sam or something and um he introduced us and you're like oh yeah what band are you in so i said oh, song and you went you just pu- pulled your hat off your head threw it on the floor and stamped on it and said, i love devil's <laughs> show <laughs> that
2: well that sounds about right because uh yeah i i and honestly i mean i imagine that people react in the same way to the idea like when you find bands that you're just like oh my gosh i completely understand where you're coming from i understand what you're doing like i can't wait to see what you are releasing in the future it's like when you find bands like that you just are like oh yeah like i don't know I, i'm best friends with you i don't even know you like you know <laughs>
3: honestly i loved it i've, I've never had anyone uh, uh it's the best introduction <laughs> i've ever had to anyone right <laughs> <laughs> that makes me so incredibly happy because yeah that,
2: obviously that can go a completely different way where it's just like oh yeah, your band sucks dude <laughs> uh, <laughs> so good so uh, good <laughs> yeah 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 it, it, spe- uh, well focusing on devil sold his soul as as a band name and this is not meant to be disrespectful in any uh, way no,
3: no, Be as disrespectful as you like i fucking hate
2: okay okay Honestly, I would venture a guess that there are many, many people who, especially because the era in which you guys named your band, like that, that, you know, that is a name that completely fits in with the context of where you guys were coming from. And then now it's like bands you know, whatever, your average, like, 18-year-old that, you know, whatever, we'll use cult to Luna as an example, would look at, it's like Devil's Soul to Soul, is that, what, what is that, you know, like, they go on tour with From Autumn to Ashes? Like, what What are we talking about here? And there's
1: probably,
3: yeah. yeah, so anyways, continue. It just doesn't represent us at all, I don't think, and we've had conversations about even changing the name, and it's so difficult, like, this far down the line Yeah, to, like, consider doing it, because, I mean, we're in a position now where We aren't being a career band. We are writing records when we can and when we want to, and we'll support it as we can based on, you know, how much leave we collectively can use from work. Um, But that puts us in a position where if we were to change our name, you have to be able to really work hard to be able to bring that name back up. It, It just feels like we'd be doing ourselves a disservice to change it, even though... Like in my heart, I really wish we could change the band name, right? Yeah, it was 2004 when we named this band. That's a long time to live with a decision. You don't often have to live with decisions for 18 years. <laughs> it's so,
2: it's so true, and it is like completely that double edged sword of people may not check your band out based on whatever yeah, preconceived. I, I wouldn't yeah. check
3: my band out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. What to say? I really don't like
2: it. Yeah. And it's it's tough because it's like you're exactly you hit the nail on the head where you're like, We've done a lot of hard work to get our name out there, and it feel it would feel stupid to just like be the same exact band, but just change a name, and then people that don't keep up with us would just be like, Oh, is this the new Devil Sold a Soul Band or <laughs> whatever? like what yeah, is it?
3: I yeah, I feel like it would just confuse people and it's yeah. so difficult. Like for a band our level, like we're like, totally, like, not on a, I don't know where we'd call us, like, upper low tier band, I guess. But because we just don't have, like, we we can't even talk to the people that we've got uh, on our social media because the social media platforms don't even let us, like, allow us to sort of communicate with them. Like, Facebook, we've got, I don't know, it's like 30, 40 or so thousand people on there. But we can't put a post out and say, oh, we'll change our name because 12 people will see it right it's fucking wild so, <laughs> yeah yeah for us to do that it would be such a massive expensive press campaign to try and let people know because people just wouldn't know any yeah it just it, it'd be impossible to let people that it's difficult it's so difficult yeah no it's it's true it, it's very um yeah but
2: i i just i i wanted to make sure we had that uh conversation because i i i do i i've always in the back of my head felt like like i mean i love the band and i've always loved the band but then know, even back yeah.
3: when when i first met you in like 2010 i was like i don't like this band name yeah <laughs> but it, it's so difficult because it is honestly i, I it I just doesn't represent us in any way i don't even think a band name needs to represent you in any kind of uh like narrative way right like it can do but it does need to represent you in terms of like how it feels and stuff yeah Take architects right they've got a cool simple name and i guess when they started architects was probably some sort of uh reference to sort of the sort of tech metal they were playing but right no, it doesn't represent them like that, but it certainly represents them in terms of how it, what it feels when you say it. I don't know how to explain that, but it, it there. I mean, I, I think the difficulty
2: is when, when you can kind of like time stamp a band, you know, I mean, whatever, even if you look at a band like. Poison the well or whatever. I mean, that's that's a dumb band name, like Poison the Well. But like they've, you know, existed. Doesn't make
3: me cringe though.
2: It's true, but it, it, right. <laughs> but it's it. It is a time and a place where they got named, but then because they have done what they have done, like it. It sort of edges out those, or, or you know, it sands down those rough edges. Whereas like Double Soul is Soul, there are elements where it's like no matter what, there's always going to be a little baggage that a person may come into
3: play oh, with absolutely. it. Absolutely, and I so, think. We we definitely have no sort of religious affiliation, and there's lots of people who <laughs> that we do and it's just like, yeah, yeah, I get it, yeah <laughs> you- I get it yep this is not this is not us yeah
2: so when you started you know when you joined the the band and uh you know started to play shows and tour and everything like that and just like you mentioned with you being you know introverted and feeling comfortable on stage but not in the maybe small talk afterwards
1: yeah
2: was touring hard for you as you started to experience it or did you i guess kind of understand what you were getting into
3: uh i was just so excited i think uh, after a while, because when I first joined the band, I didn't really know any of the guys in the band because it was my mate's brother and stuff. And I just sort of, Johnny was like, do you want to try out? I did. And everyone's like, yeah, cool, let's go for it. But after I got to know those guys, it was just, I don't know, it was just going out and playing shows with your mates and stuff. And I'd I'd always try and avoid uh, chatting with people, I guess. Not, not as like or chatting with fans. I just mean literally chatting with fucking anyone. I mean through the whole period that i mean as a 36 year old i feel much more confident now than i did then for sure but we definitely even other bands like thought we were a bunch of assholes but it's because all of us are a bunch of sort of introverts so we're very cliquey with each other but in terms of sort of making friends in bands and stuff it was really difficult we 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 sort of had to some people that we were friends with and stuff but like, for instance, I, I absolutely adore the Architects guys and stuff, but, like, my inability to, like, chat to them because of my own sort of introvertedness and insecurities, like, I'm not particularly close with any of them or anything, and not certainly not now, I don't really talk to any of them at all, but I kind of wish I did. Like, I wish I'd been able to make friends with some of those guys better. Right, yeah. I,
2: and, uh, I mean, I I understand where you're coming from, especially when you have this you know collective of people that i mean no matter what when you're attracted to the subculture that we are Mm. there's an I i don't care how extroverted you are there's still that element of just like i don't this whole normal world stuff seems really daunting i can't do it so there's that sensitivity that exists
3: exactly and i think a lot of us probably gravitate towards subcultures and stuff because we don't feel like we massively uh, fit in with the mainstream i guess yeah, you don't fit in with the football team, right? Yeah, and I mean, I don't think of myself as like an outsider or anything, but I certainly don't feel like I fit in with a lot of, you know, standard culture. I'm not interested in pretty much most of the stuff that's on television. I'm not interested in sports, I'm not less interested in what music's on the radio, that kind of stuff. Right, yeah.
2: And, and so when... Uh, You know, kind of having to understand, you know, more of the business implications of the band, because, I mean, you guys have been really fortunate that you've been able to work with a lot of different cool record labels and people, and you've always been able to, you know, find people to, frankly, invest in your band. Um, How? I guess, how's the business side of music uh, interacted with you personally? Like, do you care about it? Do you pay attention to it? Or is it pretty much like out of sight, out of mind, as long as you're able to, you know, obviously like not lose money yourself?
3: Yeah. I mean, uh, I've never been super focused on it, but I'm certainly like interested in it. And I mean, I mean, you just said like we've been really fortunate to work with lots of labels, and we definitely are very fortunate to have worked with a lot of labels. But the reason we've only worked with labels sort of one time, like one one record at a time is because they drop us because it's not financially <laughs> <laughs> they're like oh guys we thought we were gonna make money off this i guess not yeah and i mean i we're a weird band i guess in terms of that uh place because i feel like and i'm sure a lot of people say this kind of stuff all the time but i feel like we're not heavy or straight enough for the kind of the heavier metal or or hardcore fans not that we're a hardcore band but you know we all listen to that sort of stuff but we're also too like we're too mainstream for them but we're also like too heavy for like the mainstream audiences so we, we're stuck in this weird sort of place where people that like it really love it but outside of it we're not cool i guess right well i mean and yeah you, you have to find that niche isn't it and to, like yeah you feel like like, you know, we feel like we're kind of accessible enough to reach a broader place, but then you're told you're not all the time. And then the people who like the like this arguably, the people that like the sort of music that I tend to like, like, listen to really don't like us, right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it is. I mean, especially because of the ways that your band has been able to, uh, you know, engage people and get, uh, you know fans interested in what you're doing is because you have this you know expansive view on what heavy music can be it's like it's not going to fit in just this you know okay we're going to write an eight minute long song it needs to have this part it's like you got yeah it's like yeah we'll write an eight minute song but it's going to sound drastically different than the last thing that we put out
3: yeah and also like there's sort of more poppy bands and stuff that we like like i love a band called moona who are oh yeah definitely yeah fucking amazing so i love pop like hooky poppy choruses and that kind of, and so does Paul, actually. And we both that kind of filters in, but like the people who like, you know, it's the sort of the heaviest stuff that we like, just li- listen to like, man, that's so lame. <laughs> you guys are lame. Right.
2: <laughs> totally, totally. It, and like you were alluding to earlier in regards to, you know, your departure from the band, I know that uh, it was, it was about
3: four or five years you were away from the band. Yeah. 2003. End of 2013, I left, I think it was. Okay. Well, let's say 2013, and then I was back in 2017. Okay. And like you said, when
2: you were kind of coming up against that decision where it's like, okay, well, you know, I know that like being in this band and, and focusing as much attention as we have to it, as I have to it, like I can't yeah. continue to sustain this. But then once you got on the other side of that wall of like, oh, so what is it that I do now? Like, was it really that, I guess, decision of, okay, I can't keep going on like this, so I need to do this. Like, it felt like that real heart, ho- you know, fork in the road
3: moment. Uh, yeah, it was horrible. That's like, it's honestly like the worst sort of point in my life so far, yeah. I guess. And hopefully that'll be the worst point, full stop. But uh, uh, being in a band, as you know, I'm sure, is it can be the most depressing thing ever because the goalposts are constantly moving. And even to like sort of someone at the wayside, it can yeah. look like it's successful and you're hitting all the things that you ever wanted to do. But there's always like the sort of the next step. And because we weren't sort of making money, it was just like, and I don't mean money in a greedy sense. I mean, just in a sense to be able to survive. I mean, I was right at the band. I was 27 and still living with my mum because I wasn't bringing any money in.
2: Right. <laughs> yeah. You're like not even just like any money. I'm like, I, I, I literally can't
3: pay rent at all. Yeah. I remember coming home from one tour and, we each, and this was the most money any of us ever took away from anything. We had been out for about three, four weeks, and we all came home with about four hundred pounds, right, and we were like, "Whoa, four hundred pounds yeah, we are and in like, that's the an money state of affairs, isn't it yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, and yeah, and it really, I broached it in a sense that i I never went in to leave the band. I wanted to us as a collective to sort of reapproach approach how we wanted to go about things. And my thing was like, right, we need to set all of ourselves up financially so that we can keep doing this for a longer time and do it. Like essentially I was kind of saying, we need to look at this as a hobby rather than a career. And we it can, it, it, creatively it won't change anything, but time wise, it might be difficult to go out and sort of be a full-time band and at the time, not everyone was in the same, um, same place. And certainly one of the guys, in the moment was definitely not in the same place at all. Mm-hmm. And it kind of came to a head to that. It was kind of com- from this one person, at least anyway, it was commit fully or, or you're not in this it. vision. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was just like, well, I can't, I can't, I mean, maybe I dug my heels in a bit and I kind of wish we'd conversed about it a bit more, but I was just like, I can't. Yeah, That was that really, it was, it was really an odd, really odd period. And I really felt like I'd lost my whole, not my personality, but I felt like I'd lost who I was. Who was I? I'd done that for 10 years. I was like, I don't know who I am. I haven't got any skills. I haven't, I just didn't know what I was doing. Yeah, And when I managed to sort of set myself up financially, get a job and move in with my partner and stuff, like life just got a lot better like quite quickly to be honest right i was just happier i wasn't stressed about the band and i wasn't put i wasn't under the pressures that being in a band puts you under this it's hard and i don't think everyone in a band sort of feels this way but I, I feel i feel a lot of pressure being in a band like produce like putting out records playing shows having to sort of be really good like you have to Put in so much practice to, like, none of us want to be in a band where we play and someone goes, "Oh, they were a bit right." <laughs> we're just they're just funneling it in, yeah, yeah. Or just like they are, they're a bit sloppy. They're not they're not very good musicians. We, that's never been our mo. We've always wanted to be like. Someone could go away and say that they hated us, but I don't none of no. I don't think anyone could go away and say that you know that band played badly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's always been like a big thing for us and especially as a vocalist being, I mean, I've always struggled in terms of uh, like, you know, being good enough or having the sort of stamina and definitely like since coming back to the band, I found it a lot easier because, because uh, I didn't sing for like four years, didn't scream for four years. Right. When I started again, I had to kind of learn how to do it all from scratch. And it I, I learned how to do it basically for the whole 10 years before that. I just, didn't know what i was doing yeah just yelling at the top of my voice and then i kind of it sort of clicked i was like fuck why didn't i know this ages ago right right <laughs> well that and that's uh I, I
2: going back to your point of just the the all or nothing approach and I, I think the language didn't exist to even be able to describe like how a band can exist without the pressures of this, you know, music industry trappings. Okay. Release a record. We get a tour for two years. Like it just didn't exist. Whereas like now it's a much more nuanced approach where it's like, you can be in a band, but you don't have to be this, you know, on this rat race. And so I I completely understand where you were at that time where it's like, you know, even though you didn't want to make the choice of all or nothing, but like, I, I got to figure out my life beyond, you know, being just Ed from devil soul to soul. Like who, who am I? (laughs) Yeah.
3: And I think all of us know this, and I would certainly knew it at the time, was like, well, this has a shelf life. Yes. We're going to do it like this. It has a definitive shelf life, and I don't want to get to the end of that shelf life and then be completely fucked. I'd rather try and, like, try and scrabble back what I can now while I still have a better chance of it, rather than waiting until now at 36, and we go like, ah, now what? So, yep. Right. That was kind of like my, my thought process, I think.
2: Sure. Absolutely. makes sense. And and when you, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you've been working, I guess, in the entertainment industry. Are you a a colorist or post-production or what's the, uh, I'm
3: I'm an editor. Okay. TV shows and stuff.
2: Got it. And how did you, uh, how did you come to do that? Was that just something that you were sort of interested in
3: then threw yourself, you know, full tilt after you left the band? Yeah. So again, it's all really circumstantial and things just sort of fell into place, which I'm really lucky about. Um when I was at university, I did a year at university um, and I did uh, sort of a video course, which was, I get, it was sort of production through to post-production. And I was always more interested in the post-production. But I never finished it because the band got to a point where it was like I was having to go away every sort of other month or so, go away for weeks at a time. And it's like, oh, I suppose I'm not doing university then, Right. <laughs> I, my mum, I can't even imagine the... St- like, just how she felt when I told her, Yeah, I'm gonna drop out of uni. Um, I'm gonna sort of put that on hold for now. I plan to come back in a few years, but I'm gonna go do this now. And the fact that she let me, like, well, I can't, I guess she didn't have a choice in terms of letting me. I was gonna do what I wanted to do, I guess. Sure, but she was, even though I'm sure she was incredibly disappointed, she was very co- cool about it. Um, I can't even remember what we were talking about then and how I got to that. Just...
2: I was saying in regards to your uh, entertainment uh, career, yeah.
3: Yeah, so I did that and I, and I was really interested in editing then and um, just went into the band for ages. And then when I left the band, directly after a, a, a group of my absolute closest friends were in a band and they were really in need of a vocalist, and they had written their EP, but there were no vocals on it and asked if I wanted to do it. And I wrote the vocals for that in about five days. I think did it like the fastest I've ever done anything, I think. Okay. And then we went and did uh, over the summer and um, we did maybe a week away, just over on the mainland. And the person driving us was now one of my best mates. Um, but I didn't know at the time called Dean and he, uh, worked for um, in a post-production environment. And he put me in touch with my now boss, who was the um, the post-super um, on Deal or No Deal. Do you have that program in America? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so that used to be a show over here. It doesn't exist anymore, though. I hear that it's getting, like a new version of it's getting commissioned or something. But anyway, that, he was the post-super on that. And um, Dean put me in touch with him. And as a 27-year-old, I think it was, so I started as a post-production runner, like sort of the bottom rung and just sort of worked my way through until I became an editor.
2: That's amazing. That's really, uh, it, it's fun. Like you said, the set of circumstances, and honestly, I think most of us that exist in the world of, you know, punk and hardcore, especially when it comes to creative work, you... These opportunities always end up finding you based on, you know, just like, oh, friends of friends that you either worked with previously or like, no, it's like,
3: oh, yeah, this person like, hey, book some shows before he's probably can figure this out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, most of us, half of us in the band do uh, creative jobs. So um, definitely um, uh, Rick and Lex are both graphic designers. Johnny is um, a producer that's his he's got his studio that's where we recorded all of our stuff and it's just i guess that's kind of where we find ourselves yeah
2: absolutely and and the last thing i wanted to hit on was the um you know the the where the band exists now where it's like you guys you know are, are fortunate enough to be able to you know work with people like nuclear blast that can you know distribute your music not only worldwide but then be able to put you in front of people who uh arguably would never have listened to you you know absolutely. like and, and, and is it it is it uh interesting for you to i guess still have people that are like just discovered you you know it's like six months ago be like oh wow i never heard you guys before and then I'll, oh oh you guys have like you know 45 records to check out oh okay interesting <laughs> like you know is it is it fun for you to like have this
3: new discovery that's the best feeling ever when like someone new finds you like it, that's the dream isn't it like you want new people who've never heard of you to get yep. into you and that happens like a lot on this new record. We And before that we'd be playing shows and it was a lot of the sort of same faces and you got to know people and stuff. And then when we released loss because of um like, you know, the pandemic and stuff and how uh like when shows started up again, it was so saturated. Like the, everything was just entirely booked up in advance. And it's still kind of a bit like that now anyway, but we had to wait a year from release before we played any shows for loss, which was just I don't even know how to put into words how weird that was. But right, when right. it came around to actually do these shows, it was like, "Whoa!" There's just a completely like new set of faces at this show. And it was like it felt really obvious that there was a whole bunch of new people to us, and it was really cool. Really cool.
2: Yeah, that's and that is to your point of just being able to get in front of people that have you know are coming to the band in all of these different lights whether they've you know supported you guys since the inception or whether yeah. they just got into you with the last couple of records it's like the idea that there are so many jumping off points and you guys can you guys still feel compelled to uh put music out in the world cuz like you you clearly like you don't need to do this
3: anymore but you do no. <laughs> yeah it's just cuz i i mean if that's the the weird thing when you're a band uh, our age, cause we've been doing it for so long and we haven't really been like a commercial success. So a lot of people, they'd be thinking, why are they still doing it? Well, it's because we've set it up for ourselves that we can do it as a hobby. Like we could put it down for two years and then pick it back up again and do, just do whatever we want. I mean, that's the beauty of it. There's no like sort of pressure on it anymore. Um, and working with nuclear blast has been just unreal. Like, I've, I've never worked with a label that have been so cool. Just, just want you to make the thing that you want to make and they want to support you doing it. Everyone we've worked with, like, on that release was just the nicest people. Right.
2: They're, 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 like, probably to the same degree that it's like you guys don't need to make music anymore, per se, but you do because you obviously feel compelled and you want to in the same way that, like, Nuclear Blast, like they knew what they were getting into (laughs) with you guys where it's like, oh, yeah, like yeah, we'd love to work with them because we admire their music and we want to work with them. And, yeah, it's like you don't have any aspirations. I mean, you have aspirations, but you don't have illusions of grandeur. You're not like, well, so we're obviously going to be as big as, uh, you know, Muse with this next record, so here we go.
3: No, of course not. And, I mean, you just hope for a bit of growth each time, don't you? You just want the shows to be busy, and that's, like, the thing that makes it fun, I guess, doesn't it? As long (laughs) as the shows are, like busy for the room that you book Yes, yeah. all good
2: yeah exactly exactly well ed we did it thank you very much for letting me uh well first of all reminding me about our uh, ghost fest interaction i very much appreciate that and then uh, secondly just you know let me ping pong around your brain i appreciate you
3: oh man it was so nice to sort of just
2: catch up okay there you have it Thank you very much, Ed, for letting me duck into your DMs and scheduling this because, you know, sometimes you go through the official channels and then other times you just go straight to the source. And that's exactly what we did here. And like I said, you need to absolutely listen to Devil Soul to Soul and Copse. Those are both bands that he sings in and they are both extremely good. So thank you, Ed. Next week, I have, I would i would say, a legend. A legend within the scene, so to speak. His name is Dave Wagonshoots. He currently plays in a band called Cross Keys. He previously played in, I mean this is just a small list of bands, but he played in Kid Dynamite, Lifetime, Ink and Dagger, and so much more. So that's what we got next week. Until then, please be safe, everybody.
0: Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. details.